So this morning we're going to be reading from Nehemiah chapter 8 and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 12. So all the people assembled as, as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra to scribe to, the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men and women and others who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah and Masaiah. And on his left were Pedaiah, Mishael, Malachiah, Hashem, Hashbadanim, Zechariah and Meshelem. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Sherebiah, Hadiah, Masaiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peleiah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them, This this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Morning, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Pracker. Um, good to be with you this morning. Well done for bracing the cold. I want to tell you about Sunday, the 16th of August in 2020. Australia was starting to emerge from our first COVID lockdown. Like today, it was cold and we were freezing. And on that day, there were 50 or so of us that met here in this dodgy school hall to kick off Trinity Church Bracker, or at least we were getting ready to kick things off. Who remembers being here that day? Maybe a few of us, I'm sure, yeah. Um, Here's the harder question. Who remembers what we did that day? No one, exactly. I I, I didn't even remember the specifics, so I cheated. I went back and looked at my notes from that day. That day we read, we read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, which talks about the, the, the early church in Thessal- Thessalonica, what they did when they began. And so we started to think in light of this, how do we go about being a new church here? And then we got into groups of six or eight and we 
put out butcher's paper and scribble down ideas, things we'd like to see, our priorities for the year ahead. And Some things have changed since then. I don't know if you remember, um, we sometimes had this projector behind us and sometimes we didn't. <laughs> so we've got a key that lets us get into the door that opens up the projector now. Um, we used to not be allowed to be in the kitchen, but now we are. Since, since then, since August in 2020, Ada has come on as permanent staff. There's been a number of babies born into our church. Some people have moved away, other people have joined in. It's lots of changes, right? But here's the thing that has not changed. Here's the thing that has remained stable for us in the last two years, and we hope will keep being the case for us for as long as God allows us to be a church here. At the center of us coming together is that we hear from God. We hear God speak to us in the pages of the Bible. That's a a big part of who we are. This was not a fresh and new thing that we've invented. But this is actually what God's people have always done. See, right now we're in a series called The Return. We're going through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. These are part of the Old Testament in the Bible, and they cover the history of the Jews coming back into their land. You see, a little while ago, the Babylonian army had come through and taken over uh, all, all of the, the, the neighboring lands, including the Jewish people, and they took the Jews off to exile in Babylon. But now the Persians are in charge, and they have a different foreign policy. They, they, they give the Jews permission to come back into their land, and that's what we see in Ezra and Nehemiah. We're in about the four and 500s BC here. And today we're going through uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 and 10. We're going to focus particularly on chapter 8, though. The year is 445 BC, and all the returned exiles get together. And what do they do? They come to Jerusalem, but what brings them together there that day? As we'll see in a moment, it's the same thing that stays at the center of what we do today. It's what draws us together today. But first, let's get our bearings here. Last week we saw under Nehemiah that the Jews rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. Almost everyone was involved. It was a big task. 52 days of hard physical labor. You can imagine by the end of this, people are tired, right? And so they go back home to rest. See, most of them at this point didn't live in Jerusalem. Most of them lived in kind of surrounding villages because the houses in Jerusalem hadn't been rebuilt yet. They were still lying in rubble from when the Babylonians destroyed the city. But five days after the walls are finished, everyone comes back to Jerusalem. Why? What, what are they here for? Weren't they just here laboring away only like half a week before? Well, here's the big thing. The first big thing we see in our passage today. God's people get together to hear God speak. God's people get together to hear God speak. Uh, Look at chapter 8, verse 1 with me. It says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Now, the book of the law of Moses probably doesn't sound that interesting to you, does it? Like, if, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, you know, Who wants to read a whole bunch of laws read out one after the other? I know the Constitution of Australia is important to us. 
But if someone's reading it out in the civic centre in, in the town there, there's no chance that I'm going to, to go along for, for, to listen. It's probably helpful to say that the book of the law of Moses, it's not just kind of full of laws, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Laws do make up some part of it, but, but this phrase, the book of the law of Moses, it's, it's talking about the first five books in our Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And, and there's more than just laws in these books. They tell the history of the Israelite nation. It reminds these people of who they are. And not just who they are, but who their God is for them as well. But did you notice the really amazing thing in that verse? Ezra does not say to the people, all right, guys, come to get to get, time to come together. Let's, let's listen to God now. No, no, no. The people come together and they tell Ezra, now you've got to come here and read the law to us. It's their initiative. They want to know. They're the ones that want to hear from their God. And this is actually, it's truly amazing. Consider all the times in the Bible when God's people don't listen to God's word. Here's a scattered, very brief, I'm missing out heaps here, but here's a scattered history. Adam and Eve in the garden. God speaks, he tells them one thing not to do, but they decide they'd rather not listen to him. King Saul is the first uh, king in Israel's history, but eventually he is rejected by God. And why is that? Well, God rejects him because Saul rejected the word of God. Later on in in Israel's history, uh, there's a prophet, a great prophet called Isaiah, and God sends him to the people of Israel, but God also warns Isaiah, look, you're going to speak to these people but they're not going to listen. They're not going to understand. Think about later on in Jesus' lifetime. Jesus went around teaching, and initially he actually seems really popular. But as people listen more and more to what Jesus is saying, many of them turn from him. They don't want to follow him anymore. They're offended at Jesus' words. And in the New Testament we read that this is going to keep happening, even right to today. It says that people won't want to listen to sound doctrine and instead, they're going to search out for leaders who just tell them what they want to hear. So often do you see throughout Israel's history, throughout human history, people won't listen to God. But here, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see the exact opposite. Here, God's people, they come together because they have a desire to hear God speak. Do you see how different this is? This is a truly momentous occasion. And the people, they really are dedicated to hearing this too, aren't they? Just, I'll take you through how the day unfolds. Um, verse 2, everyone who can understand is there. Not just the men, but the women too. And not just adults... But, but, but teenagers, but older kids, anyone who can understand is there. In verse 3, that they're really committed to this, like they're reading from daybreak till noon. That's at least five hours, possibly more. And all through it, they're listening attentively. You find out in verse 4, this wasn't just a spur of the moment thing. They didn't plan for this to happen. They built a platform to Ezra. They all wanted to hear him speak. 
In verses 5 to 6, they're actively listening, standing up to hear, responding to what they hear. In verse 7 and 8, they, they're trying to understand what's said. And some people are explaining the meaning. And, and, and Jen did really well on those names of these people, right? Well done, Jen. Um, probably what, what happened is they would read a, a chunk of, 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 of this book of the law of Moses. And they would pause. And then people, some of these guys would explain to the people what the meaning was, what they just read, what, what, it, what it means so everyone can understand. You see, what we've got here is a people who are dedicated to hearing God speak. This, this is what brings them together. This is at the heart of who they are as a community. They want to hear God speaking to them. Uh, when I was a younger fella, I used to play cricket on a weekend. Now, I was never, any that, never really that good at it, and so I was playing in teams full of people who they weren't really that good at it. It was, it was a social thing for us. But if you know anything about cricket, you'll know it wasn't just a short-term thing. We weren't there for a couple of hours and then go home. Cricket is a long commitment. Quite often you'd leave home at about midday on Saturday and the game wouldn't finish until 6 o'clock or, or after. And so if you head to the pub afterwards together, it turns out to be quite a long day. And so one day we're kind of all getting ready to go out and field under the sweltering summer sun. And a guy, an older guy in our team... He turned around and he kind of was joking. He said to us, fellas, we must really hate our families. Why else would we be out here? And I was thinking about that this week. Well, what did get us together each week as a cricket team? Like I said, none of us were ever going to make it big. It was hot and sweaty. Often we ended up very sore on Monday morning. So why did we do it week after week? Was it just for a love of the game? Was it... Just we enjoyed the team atmosphere. Was it a habit we got into as kids and we just kept doing it because? Was it all really just an excuse to have a night at the pub after? Perhaps perhaps a little bit of all those, but I don't really know. Here though, there's no denying in Nehemiah 8 what gets God's people together. They come together to hear their God speak. They're dedicated to listening to him. We want that to be us too. This is one of those non-negotiables for us as a church. We gather here because we are convinced God speaks. When we open the pages of the Bible, this is God's word to us. And so we come to hear his voice. That's what we are going to be dedicated to doing. So at everything we do, we want to keep the Bible at the core of it. On Sundays, we're going to hear from the Bible. We go deeper in it, talk about it together. In our midweek community groups, we'll, we'll hear from the Bible some more. We'll discuss what it means. We'll pray over what we've heard. Friends, you see here, God, God speaks to us today. So we've got to keep the Bible at the center of what we do. Because we're convinced that when we hear from it, it's not just pages of any old book that we could turn up. We're actually hearing the voice of our God for us today. You know, back in Nehemiah's day, the Jews, they didn't just get together to hear from God. They celebrated hearing him speak. 
Ezra reads to them and these other people there explain the meaning of the Bible. And what's the response of the people? You see it in verse 9. It's kind of strange, actually. They're crying. They're weeping. Probably this is because their sin is being exposed. As they, re- as they hear the Bible read out for them, they realize we aren't doing what God has told us to do. And they don't forget this sadness. They don't forget their sin and just move on the next moment. They'll return to this sorrow later in chapter 9 and 10. But, but Ezra and Nehemiah and, and some others, they, they see this weeping. And well, look at what they do. They, they, they tell people to stop. We'll read from verse 9 fully here. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy food, and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. They're telling the people, celebrate. Today is not a day for weeping. You're hearing from your God. This is good, so go out and celebrate. And the people do. Verse 12, Then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They have heard God speak. And because they have, they throw a party. It's, it's a street party and everyone's invited because they've heard God speak. In fact, the people are so into this, they come back the next day. Later on in chapter 8, um, they, they, get, they get Ezra, on the very next day they get Ezra to keep reading uh, the, the, the rest of the law to them. And as they're reading the next bit, they realize, actually, there's this thing in our history called the the Festival of Booths. It's there to remind us how God saved us as a nation out of Egypt. And in fact, it's the seventh month now, and we're supposed to be celebrating this festival in the seventh month. So as they're reading the book of the law, they they kind of say, we need to to press pause on what we're doing. And they go away and they prepare so so they can celebrate this festival. It's probably a couple of weeks later they come back and they do just that. They, they celebrate the festival together. It's a week-long deal and each day they get Ezra to read more to them. They celebrate. It says there that they are full of great joy because they are hearing from their God. Here are God's people gathered to hear God's word and when they hear God speak, they celebrate. They love hearing his voice. When I was just a kid, I got a letter from Santa Claus. And not just any old kind of letter. It was a personalized letter. I'd sent a letter to him. My mum and dad put it in the post box. And and Santa, he wrote back to me. Truly, he did. He he, he wrote a letter. He called me by name. Some of the questions that I'd I'd written down to him, he responded. He told me, uh, I thought, how good was this? As a kind of three or four-year-old kid, I was ecstatic. A few years later, I'm a bit older. 
and it's getting close to Christmas time again, and I'm flipping through a catalogue, and there's an Australia, it's an Australia Post catalogue, right? And they're advertising this address here you can send a letter to. The address was not the North Pole. It was in Australia somewhere. And if you sent your letter there, they promised that Santa would respond. At that moment, I realised I'd been duped. <laughs> it was a scam. Santa, Santa never really sent me a letter. It was all just a con, and apparently it wasn't cheap. My mum and dad had to put some money in to make this happen too. It wasn't a free service. But sadly, I realised here, Santa never really wrote a letter to me at all. Later on, um, I was in my 20s, and I went to see U2 at a big kind of stadium show in Sydney. It was very good. Um, but as we walked into the stadium, above us there's like this big TV screen. It's, it's flashing up a phone number. And they say, you text your, your name to this phone number, and, and you might put, they, they might put your name on the big screen behind U2 as they're playing later on in the concert. So I didn't need a second invitation. I quickly got out my phone, texted my name in, and was kind of waiting through all the concert. Will it be me? Will it be me? And no, it wasn't me. And you might think that's a letdown, but not quite yet. See, later on that night, I got a text message from the lead singer of U2 there, Bono. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was pretty excited. He, he, it even started with my name, Scott. He knows, he knows me. As, as I read this text message, my excitement quickly wore out. It was not a personal text message just for me. It was a pitch about Amnesty International telling me that I should sign up and support them. See, just like Santa, Bono never really wrote me a personal letter, did he? Now, my two stories are letdowns there, aren't they? But it got me thinking, if you could get a personal letter from anyone, who would, you, who would it be? You don't need to say it out loud, but just think about it for a moment. If you could get a personal letter from anyone, who would you like to hear from? A long-lost friend? A relative that's close to you? A celebrity? Perhaps someone who's been an inspiration in your life? Who would you choose? Whoever it is, can I say, here is something better. Here's a step up from even that. A personal message from your God. From the Lord of the universe. The one who crafted the faraway galaxies, but also knit you together, your very self. Your heavenly father. What would God say to you? And, and wouldn't you kind of pour over the letter, you know, read it not just once but twice and three times? Friends, here is the good news. You don't have to dream or hope that this would happen. It has. It's been done. God has given his letter to you. That is what you have in the Bible. This is God's personal message to you. He's written it for you. Everything that he wants you to know precisely is in here. It's exactly what he wants you to hear from him. 
Think about that for a moment. Doesn't that leave you gobsmacked at what we have? What a wonder that God would speak personally to you. I got my text message from Bono. He told me to sign up and support Amnesty International, but you know what? I didn't. Chapters 9 and 10 tell us that when we hear from God, it doesn't just end there. It's not like this text message from Bono that you can ignore if you like. In chapters 9 and 10, the people respond to what they've heard from God. We saw before they were full of sorrow. They were weeping. And so in chapter 9, they pray for God's mercy on their lives. In chapter 10, they make promises, things they want to do to change so they can live for him. And that's right because... Hearing God's word doesn't end there. When we hear from it, we need to respond. Hearing from God ought to shape our lives and who we are. Yes and amen. But today I don't want to land on that. Today I want to land on this note. How God has spoken to us. And this is a wonder that ought to leave us awestruck. It ought to leave us gobsmacked. But sometimes we can lose the wonder of hearing from our God. It's become like a beautiful sunset. You know, you see it there and it's stunning, but then you just move on with your day. You've seen these kind of things before, you'll see them again, and so they've become ordinary in your eyes. Friends, We have such a great treasure. The words of our God to us, to you. But the thing about this is it's always here, isn't it? We we have so much access to this that it becomes ordinary in our eyes. And we lose the wonder of hearing our God speak to us. Has that happened for you, friends? If so, don't despair. But pray. Ask for God's help. Ask that he'll help you recapture the wonder of hearing from him, of listening to his voice. But never lose sight of this, all of us. Our Lord, our God, our maker, the one who sustains our very life moment by moment. The one who redeems us, who brings us into his family. He speaks to you. He speaks to you. That is breathtaking. So hear his voice, friends. Delight yourself in the pages of the Bible, hearing the voice of your God. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can hear from you. Please help us never lose the wonder of this, that you have spoken to us.
So help us hear your voice. And not just hear it, but delight in it. And be changed and shaped by what you say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.